Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on battle healing. I'll just suffice to say through some amazing encounters while the Lord called me away into a secret place over our little trip to the beach that I had no idea was in his heart. He spoke to me that our ministry, my ministry, our ministry is Jahan and I, Team Cox, and as an extension, the ministry of Redemption Life Church was going to be marked as we walk into a new, I don't like the season, you know that, but in a new error, a new, a new error, it's going to be a new era of fathering. Told me that there is a, like Elisha and Elijah, there's a double portion of fathering and mothering that he would like for Jahan and I to walk in. And through a lot of numerology things that I have never once in my life paid attention to, but he keeps screaming at me. He said he wants to add a five to us. A five is what you add to Abram to make him Abraham. A five is a number letter that you add to Sarah to make her Sarah. I don't know what it was before. Sarah. I don't know. Sarah, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah. Oh, oh, that's Pharaoh. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Five means divine grace and power. He said, as we walk in this new era of fathering, increased anointing to father well, it's going to be marked by divine grace and power. He continued to dissect that for me. Divine grace is healing and power. And and both of these are just echoing multiple prophetic words that all culminated in a single moment at 3 o'clock in the morning. I sat up in the bed and I screamed, Jahan, wake up. She doesn't like to wake up at 3 in the morning. I said, I need you to write this down when I say it. And she wrote it down. And we both wept. I don't know if you, did you weep? You didn't weep. You don't weep. It's three o'clock in the morning. You wept that I woke you up. (laughs) I wept and shook under the power of God and it was beautiful, glorious. But divine grace is healing and power is a release, as Damon Thompson said in a prophetic word that we've played here many times, that there is a treasury like Fort Knox that's going to begin to be released out of the city of Knoxville of the supernatural. A treasury of the supernatural is going to begin to be released out of the city of Knoxville. And I believe that we are going to be a vital part of that. I believe that we're going to be marked by healing and power. Supernatural power and healing. I believe that we're going to see healing so prevalent and so regular here. People are going to come here from all over to be healed. Does anybody receive that? I believe that the prophetic culture that we've attempted to walk in and establish is going to get kicked into overdrive 
And we're going to see such a prevalence of the gifts of the Spirit here. And every believer is going to be equipped and empowered and operate in those giftings. And in that context, I want to share today. I'm probably going to move quick. Not for sake of time, just for sake of, I like to drive fast. And I want to get somewhere. If you want to get somewhere, you go faster. If you don't want to come home from the beach, you drive the long way. When you don't want to go, you drive the quickest way possible. You get up super early and leave early in the morning so you have more time when you get there. When you want to come home, you stay as late as you can. And get, you don't care if you get home just one minute before you have to be there for something the next day, right? Last Sunday, I got home at 3 o'clock in the morning because I didn't want to leave the beach. So I want to hurry today because I believe we're going to start seeing today the healing, divine grace and power demonstrated in this place today. There's this terminology that's going around right now, not terminology, there's this actual thing, and it's, you're just hearing it a lot, that you may have never even heard this term before, but probably everyone in this room has heard it now, unless you're really trying to avoid politics and news. I talked with someone this week that I have honored and esteemed for many years, and they shared with me some political insight that was horrifying. And then I said, where are you getting this information? And they said, I haven't watched any news, any... And I'm like, what are you doing? Where are you getting this? I don't know where they're getting it, but it was so messed up. The devil must just be telling them all their information. You get enough of it if you do watch the news, but I don't know where they're getting their context but it was discouraging at best. But if you've paid attention to anything, if you're listening to anything, if you're hearing anything, you've heard this term, ballot curing. Raise your hand if you've heard ballot curing. Okay, well, we're going to get a little edumacation. I didn't even know I was an edumacator. Might need to give me a job, Tiffany. See how well I do today. Grade me on it, okay? If I'm any good, then I might get to teach at RSW among the highly esteemed associates there. She laughed, everybody. Did you hear that? <laughs> Come on. Come on, just bless her. Appreciate your ministry. You can keep sitting up here. I had ushers on standby. Marshall was getting ready to come here and get you. I told him. She doesn't have one more joke, Marshall. Gone. Thought you were going to hurry, dude. You're just sitting up there telling jokes. Okay, whatever. Somebody said, we hate that you tell so many jokes. People have told me that. You know, we didn't come to hear you do a stand-up comedy show. And I was like, there's no, wa there's no wasted time. 
Every time I slow down a minute and tell a joke instead of hurrying through something you think I need to do so we can get to your little place where you think we need to get to, it's just one more kick in the face of religion, right? And that's imperative that we do that because I'm so sick of us just getting on the merry-go-round every Sunday, riding around three times and getting back off and going home the same. So those legs you practiced earlier, you can use them again. You don't like people tell jokes? Use them legs. Just stand up. Walk right on out. I love you, man. I love you. I love you, okay? But Bill Johnson said one time, I successfully grew our church from 2,000 down to 1,000 so God could do something in us. <laughs> Religious spirit's a powerful thing, and I got no room for it and no place for it. I'll love you through it. Just leave me alone while you wrestle it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. All right. Ballot curing. Put my professor hat on here. Here's ballot curing 101. Put my little ballot up there, man. I forgot. I got, I got graphics for my lesson. Oh, did y'all get them? There. This is what you do in ballot curing. Okay, you voted. And you forgot to do something on your ballot. You forgot to sign it. You forgot to do something to it. You forgot to whatever it may be. The reason why it's so prevalent right now is there has, there's some questions being raised to the equity of the ballot curing process across different counties in certain states What's been called into question is it seems that there are states that are way more prevalent, a higher percentage, like a very high percentage, that would vote for one candidate, and those particular counties have been given the opportunity to cure their ballot where other counties that were more prominent for the other candidate were not given those opportunities, okay? Which means if you voted for who we want you to vote for, we'll give you, and, and your ballot doesn't count, we're going to call you and let you come and change it. If you voted for who we don't want you to vote for, we're going to tell you, sorry, your ballot's wrong. See the difference? This isn't a political thing. I'm just telling you what they're saying. If you want to know. If you want to know what I believe, just find me after service and I'll tell you. What I believe is that God is going to do some amazing stuff and have his will done because there's people believing and praying that his will is done. And I'm one of those that's in agreement and believing. So ballot curing means, and it's cool terminology, right? You cure your ballot. Like your ballot was sick and didn't count See, put that other picture up. If, here, here's what happens. A county board of registers notifies a voter. Voter submits a voter ID and affidavit, okay? And th th it's different for every state and every county. I just picked one of them to show you what it is. Once cured, it can be counted. So until it's cured, it's not counted, you with me? So you fill out a ballot, you vote for who you want to vote for, 
you think you're doing something effective, you think you're doing something that's going to make a difference, you with me? But if it's not cured, it doesn't count. It's got to be cured. It's got to be fixed before it can count. Hand me my backpack real quick. I forgot my object lesson. I'll let you take it right back. I don't want it up here. Y'all with me? Aren't you glad we're not in a hurry? Wouldn't it be a shame if we rushed and we left right at 1230 and God was going to say something at 1235 that changed our life forever? Wouldn't that be terrible? If you could go back and do it over again, if you knew that, would you stay five more minutes? Come on. Quit praying for it to be over. Start praying for God to be in it. And maybe he'll anoint the guy up here that you think's not saying what God needs to say. Pray for me. Amen? No? Okay, so be it. Pray for my own self. Jesus, thank you. If it's not cured, it don't count. So today I want to talk not about ballot curing, but about battle curing. See, a lot of us is, have fought a lot of battles, and those battles don't count unless they're cured. Wouldn't it be a shame if you were, if pain was inflicted on your body, on your soul, on your spirit in a great battle and let you don't submit to the curing process and that pain doesn't even count? I want my pain to count. I want everything that I've walked through to count. So I want to submit to the curing process. Have you ever heard the saying, you can put that other one up now, France, have you ever heard the saying, we may have lost the battle, but we will win the war? Anybody ever heard that saying? I don't like that saying anymore. I've heard that saying in church. We may have lost this battle. But we're going to win the war, praise God. Hallelujah. That's an unredeemed mindset. That's a broken perspective. If you think you lost any battle, and yet you're waiting on God to do something else to cause you to eventually win the war. You don't realize that every battle has already been won. And all we're doing is aligning ourselves with the victor. And what looks like loss is increase. What looks like loss is victory. If we submit to the curing process. That quote came from Charles de Gaulle. He was a France leader. That's where we've adapted this saying from in World War War II. Germany invaded France. It was the the French Battle of France. In six weeks, 
Germany defeated France. Charles de Gaulle escaped to London. And from London, he began to make appeals to free Frenchmen to not comply with the the, um, treaty, for lack of a better term, that the French, French government was going to sign with Germany and surrender. And so he called for free, French, free Frenchmen. I thought I said it wrong, but I actually said it right. I shocked myself that I could say that statement. Maybe I should try Peter Piper now because I'm doing so good. No. He made an appeal to the free Frenchmen to fight. And he says, we may have lost this battle, but it's not over. France has lost the battle, but she has not lost the war. You guys know the end of the story, I hope. World War II ended with Germany being defeated. And the Allied forces actually subdivided Germany and it was, they all had control over different territories. So the Germany that had control over France became subjugated to France. But I would go so far as to say, I hate this statement now, and I would even say he said it wrong. Because the battle that he lost forged something in him. Come on. Forged something in him that made him the kind of leader that would call all the free Frenchmen together and fight like they've never fought before. So he didn't even lose a battle. He won the battle that appeared that they lost because it changed him into a battle winner and he became victorious. You got to wait and see the battle be cured before you make a determination about the outcome. So many people say, I lost, I lost, I lost. They tell the stories about all the loss. And I try to listen sympathetically. They get angry if you even try to give them a glimmer of hope of how God could turn it around, don't they? Somebody was talking to me the other day and they told me about a situation and I began to try to combat it a little bit and they said, well, I was just trying to talk to a friend and tell them what I said, what was, I was going through. And I said, I don't know if I'm qualified to be that kind of friend that can just sit here and listen while you explain to me how your brains got kicked in by the adversary of your soul because I'm a fighter and I'm going to want to kick back for you and with you. Beautifully, as a result of that day, the Holy Spirit just infused our time together and brought great breakthrough, and I'm excited about that. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Y'all think I should bring the Bible into this? Okay, we'll try it. Hebrews chapter 12. 
So I asked them to sing that last song, but I didn't ask them to sing the next to last song. And when they sang that song, it blew me away. Because if I was going to pick two songs, I would have put the last two songs. So look at God. This is going to seem like you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, but this was already in my heart during worship, and I feel like I had to say it. Paul and Chloe Chica. Mm. Paul's my brother-in-law. Chloe's my sister-in-law. It's kind of a weird relationship. Because they are 100% son and daughter. They're actually the first fruits of son and daughter. They're in a very early stage of this church planting journey. Chloe brought this scraggly boy over to my house. And as I was talking to him that night, and he was absolutely just a sponge that could not be filled. The Lord said, this is it. This is what you'll spend the rest of your life doing. So you may wonder about some of the things we do here, and I'm so thankful for the generations. I am so thankful, but I understand that some of the generations have to tolerate some stuff to be here. And I honor you for that. I I genuinely honor you for that. We need you. We need you to come alongside us and partner in this fathering a generation. You are a part of it. We cannot do it without you. Cannot do it without you. We need you to spank us while we spank them. You know what I mean? It's like you scratch my back, I'll scratch theirs. It's like you spank me while I spank them. We need that. I love accountability. I love some of the things that you guys bring and correct. But we're geared to a generation, and we believe they're coming in by the droves. And we want to faithfully steward that assignment on our lives. But God said, this is it. And I just want to say, I've said it before, but as y'all led today, There, any season that I enter into of double portion, it flows from the head down. And it may look totally different in you than it looks like in me, but I'm telling you, you guys are entering into an error of anointing like you've never experienced before. You'll be unrecognizable, and yes, I'm already seeing it. It's amazing. And we are going to, I was going to tell you all this in private two weeks ago. Church, we're going to have to share them. And I don't want to. But it's bigger than this. It's bigger than this. And you've been faithful, sons and daughters, and you have carried out menial tasks here like nobody's business. And I've called you on days off and say, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, and you always say yes. 
and I love that, and I don't know what I'll do without that. And I'm not saying you're gone, but I'm saying it's bigger than this. Can we just release them? We release you. We release you. We release you to walk in everything God has for you. Even when we know it's going to take you at times from us, we release you and we say, so be it in Jesus' name. Hebrews chapter 12. As for us, verse 1, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin which we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. Then and only then will we be able to run the race when we let go of every wound. When we get a redemptive revelation of that wound and see that what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. It's fuel in your tank, not an anchor tied around your ankle. Let God redeem it. Let him cure every wound. And let him cure your sin. Let him take out the impurities. Another curing process is how you cure metals. We need to be healed and we need to be set apart. We need to let him cure us. Because our circumstances and our situations and our battles that we think we lost have left wounds on us that are preventing us from running. And they have changed our makeup and our wiring and they have caused us to be prone to sin. Because we've compensated for pain with sin. And we have to let him cure us. Let him take away the root. Let him take away the pain. And let him take away the behavior that is destructive and keeping you from the promises of God for your life. Let that battle be cured and see the redemptive purposes of God in it. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. He's made a plan. He's marked a path. He's waiting for you to be cured so that you can run. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you've not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? We got to focus on him. We've got to focus on how he walked through a battle that looks like he lost. We follow his model. And his model will cause us to come out of every battle, no matter how it looks, seated in heavenly places. Because he submitted and he came and he left heaven. And he didn't think equality with God was something to be clung to, but he released it and he opened his hand and he put on flesh and he walked among us and he was obedient even unto the point of death. And therefore the Father has exalted him. Above every other name, he has demonstrated what one man can do focused on the Father. So that's how we must face our opposition because our opposition is not as extreme as the opposition he's faced. And if he was able to endure it as a man, likewise so are we. Let this same mind be in you that was in Christ, that no matter what kind of battle comes your way, you will come through it victorious by the power that works within you. Have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. If you want to get rid of the wounds, and if you want to get rid of the sin, and if you want to run, you've got to go through the training of the curing. He wants to take every wound, and he wants to take every sin, and he wants to correct and train you so that you can run with passion and perseverance the race that's led out in front of you. That's his demonstration of his love, the Lord's training in your life. He doesn't cause sickness. He does not cause disease. He does not cause pain and calamity. He sent his son not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He's not confused. He doesn't go back and forth about his intentions for mankind. He did not give his only son so that he could still send sickness and disease to you. He did not make his son bear stripes for healing of every infirmity and yet want to play games and put it on you because he doesn't like your attitude one day. But he will, like Job, say, have you considered my servant Job? I will allow, I'll allow it 
because it's going to bring increase to them. I'll allow it for you to think you beat them in a battle because they love me and they'll submit to me and I will bring increase to them. Some of you think you've lost. If you still think that, it hasn't been cured yet. If you struggled making the declaration, I can do all things but fail. Because you thought, oh, he doesn't know the depravity of my flesh. I fail constantly. No, you don't. Because look, the test may be submitted in your mind. It may be sitting on the desk in your mind of the teacher, but it's not graded yet. And just like the ballot curing process, the Holy Spirit is calling you saying, hey, let's cure this. You haven't failed because it hasn't been graded yet. And if you'll submit to him, by the time it gets the red mark on it, it'll be not only not failing, but it'll be more than enough. It'll be like Jesus took the test and it'll have extra credit on it. It won't make sense. It won't be a 60, it'll be 160. Come on. It's imperative if we're going to see divine grace and power flow in this body, it's not about one guy on the front saying he had an encounter at the beach and he's going to lead us into it. Y'all didn't hear that? It's about every one of y'all carrying divine grace and power. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation. The validation. Oh, man, I fail all the time because God has to correct me. It's the validation when he corrects you that you didn't fail. The validation of authentic sonship. For if we, if we have ever once endured his correction, it only proves we are strange. If we have not, I'm sorry, if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness, complete and lacking nothingness, if you'll let him cure you. 
Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. It may feel like loss. Again, I think that we still, let's don't mess up our theology here. When we say he disciplined us, well, then he gave it to us. No. He just used it to correct us. He, he used jujitsu on the devil. You know, he used his own momentum against him. We're in a cursed, sinful world. And God will take anything that floats around in the air and use it for his glory. But it seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time, yet later, yet later, say yet later. After the curing process or during the curing process, it will produce a transformation of character bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. In your weakness, pray and worship. And watch him cure you. prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees for as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. Starts out by saying, hey guys, I want you to run a race. But you got to get rid of the wounds and the sin. He doesn't leave it mysterious. He tells us how. Let me correct you. Let's open that battle footage up again. Let's watch, let's watch game time film. Film, sorry. I'm country boy. Film. Let's watch some film. Give me a bottle up here. No. <laughs> Hey, will you let me pull it back up? Or you just want to keep it in the lost column because it's too hard to deal with. And I'm not that bad off. I'll just go ahead and live the way I live all the time. I'd rather live halfway for the rest of my life than deal with that battle that I think I lost. But the invitation is to be divinely healed. As you keep walking forward, your knees get strengthened. And you become complete and lacking nothing as I am complete and lacking nothing. Philippians 4, 12 and 13. I know what it means to lack and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. See, it's important for you to know both of those. So it's part of the training. It's part of the training. Every now and then, I mean, people probably don't like this. And man, I am, a, I am, I have no problem with prosperity. You hear that, Lord? I have no problem with prosperity. Let me make sure and say that because they're taking up a special offering for me. I have no problem. Don't, you won't offend me if you give crazy. 
I have learned to receive. I will receive it. I might take another beach trip before the end of the year. Come on. And not feel the slightest bit bad about it. No matter what they try to make me feel guilty about on social media. Maybe I won't put it on social media this time. Bless their hearts. But I know what it means to experience lack. And I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. Listen, the Lord spoke to Jehan and I years ago and said, lack will never be your problem. And we found that to be true, but it was on the backside of lack being our problem. And I wouldn't know what to do in abundance if I didn't know what it was like to be in lack. So I'm as thankful today. You, you can think I'm making this up if you want to, but I'm as thankful today for the lack that I've experienced as I am for the abundance. I'm so thankful. If I make a list of 10 things that I'm most thankful for in my life, one of them will be fired from an amazing job, losing a, my first, what I thought was promised land house with an in-ground pool and a hot tub, having my truck repossessed, I'm telling you, those will be my top list. It won't be the $26,000 check that somebody gave me because that didn't come till my heart was changed. If I'd received that without a heart change, well, I wouldn't have received it without a heart change. That's what some of y'all are waiting on, a heart change. Why don't Lord bless me? Why don't you open your hand sometimes? He can't get nothing in it till you open it. Some of us are walking around like this. Lord, why won't you why don't you bless me like them other people? Come on. Man, he's talked about three offerings today. He's talked about giving. He's talked about this guy is like Mike Murdoch. Whatever. What is that thing they do? Whatever. That's 1980, 90. Wait, is this now? Whatever. My favorite response to people that send me a bunch of junk is Chuck Norris. It's my favorite. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but Chuck Norris just goes like this in a little a gif. That's what I send people. You're an idiot. We're not coming back to church there. And then under it, I hope you find what you're looking for. In Jesus' name. That's what I'll tell you. Love you. Bless you. <clears throat> oh, well. For I am, why? Why? How do I know how it is? For I am trained. For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things. See, we love this. You know what this is in King James? King James? You know what? <laughs> Come and pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. He spoke so eloquently at my coronation up here. Golly, he did so good. 
I listened to Paul's first sermon. I didn't think he's ever going to be able to talk. <laughs> what? <laughs> Look at that boy. He's already in that double portion. I just made that up. I didn't even hear his first sermon. It's just a joke. <laughs> For I'm trained. I know what it's like. I know what it means to lack. I know what it means to experience. For I'm trained. I submitted to training. So now I know. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. This is the verse we always quote. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you can't if you ain't been trained. No, you can't if you haven't been cured. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things. There's a secret to overcoming all things. If you want to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you got another secret. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Because I've never lost a battle. Even when I was in lack and even when I was in abundance. That's why now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I know I can. I believe I can because I've been trained in the secret of the power of God. But I had to go through some things. I've been shipwrecked. I've been left for dead. I've been in prison. It's Paul. But all that was just getting me in the good spot. I'm so thankful for it. Now I know the secret. Now there's nothing that can take me out. Because I built up resistance in the battle that looked like loss. Spend all our time cursing the failure and the loss instead of submitting it to him, letting him cure it and bring healing and do a work in us. I'm going to find where to skip to. I can't skip yet. John 16. Verse 20, let me be quite clear. I'll just speed up a little bit. Let me, be, let me make it quite clear. You will weep and be overcome with grief for what happens to me. What an encourager. Jesus is such an encourager. He just told them that he's going to die and that they are going to be overcome with grief over what happens to me. The unbelieving world will be happy while you will be filled with sorrow. You know what my son Nehemiah would say right now? 
He is on it. I have reiterated to him that words have power. His mother has. Life Kids has. I don't know where all it's been taught and kept rehearsing to him. But he is on he is a watchman on the wall for people making declarate, false declarations over things. Somebody in our house says, hey, you're going to fall. Your words have power. Don't say that. I'm not kidding. He would say, Jesus, your words have power. Don't say that. You mean it's his will for us to have sorrow sometimes? Surely not. No, he would that we never have sorrow, but he also knows we will. Are you with me? The unbelieving world will be happy while you will be filled with sorrow, but know this, but know this. I cannot keep you from sorrow, but know this. Your sadness will turn into joy when you see me again. Just like a woman giving birth experiences intense labor pains in delivering her baby, yet after the child is born, she quickly forgets what she went through because of the overwhelming joy of knowing that the new baby has born into the world. How quickly have you forgotten the pain of your last failure? Or have you failed to open your eyes and see the revelation of what you have received through that pain? You've not let it be cured. You've not let it be redeemed. You've not let the revelation of the kingdom invade your heart so that you know what's really going on. You're looking through the superficial eyes of man and you're getting on the world system and agenda where I hurt and I complain and I whine and people give me sympathy. And it feels so good. No, it don't feel good. Freedom feels good. Peace feels good. Divine healing feels good. But you gotta let go. And let him cure you. Yes, sir. He goes on to tell them about their intense time of sorrow. Let's just skip on down to verse 33. But 22 through 33, he keeps telling them about their time of sorrow. But he tells them about the revelation that they'll gain. Where they no longer have to ask him for things. But they'll learn that they go straight to the Father. In his absence. You're going to be hurting, but if you'll let me show you something in the pain, you'll find a whole new world. A new ride. I don't know the song. I wish I knew it. You're going to see increase because you're going to walk in something you never walked in before. And in verse 33, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. 
and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For, this unbel- for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. It will happen. And every false prophet that tells you otherwise is a liar. But listen to this man of God. You can have peace in it. But you must be courageous. You will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous. For I have conquered the world. I've never lost a battle. So keep the right perspective, even in your pain, that it is temporary light affliction that is working in you a glory that can't even be comprehended. I'm bringing increase to you. The end will justify the means. Come on, the end will justify the means. The end, the baby will justify the birth. The destination will make the journey worth it. Just like it did for me, he says, for the joy that was set before me, I endured the cross. For the joy that is set before you, endure whatever trial that comes your way and see my hand at work and receive the increase that I have for you. Paul says in Philippians 3, I used to be super religious and If anyone has any reason to have confidence in their flesh, I have the most. It's Paul. But now I count it all as loss. See, he'll even take things that you thought were a victory and turn them, and then you'll realize they were a loss. And you'll be excited about it. See, that's how jacked up. Things you think were a loss were really a victory, and things you thought were a victory were really a loss. But if you look through it through the wrong lens, you'll be all confused. You'll celebrate losses and you'll mourn victories. Y'all, didn't, y'all, y'all did not get that. You will celebrate losses and you will mourn victories. Because you're looking through man's perspective and not his. I got to wrap this up. Not because of time, just because that's where we are on his time. (coughs) Catch me up in your story all my life for your glory. See, he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. He started it. He started it. Did anybody choose to be born? Did anybody choose to be here? He fearfully and wonderfully made you. He's the author of your story. And he's the finisher of your story. But what you let him do with the in-between will determine the ending. Are you with me to determine how he ends it? 
You'll either take every chapter and refuse to yield to him, and the way it'll end will eventually be, okay, I turn you over to yourself. We don't like to hear this. You don't like my plan? You don't like my path? My mercies are new every day. I've pleaded, I've called, I've called, I've called, I've called, I've called, I've called. I've spoke to you in the trees. I've spoke to you in the birds. I've spoke to you in the dishes. I've spoke to you in the laundry. I've spoke to you through your spouse. I've spoke to you through your kids. I've spoke to you through your job. I've spoke to you through your boss. I've spoke to you in every way I possibly can. Yet you refuse to yield. And so be it unto you. Your story's over. Just so happens the Lord reminded me that I have a book that chapters have fallen out of. He's the beginning. Yet a lot of us got chapters over here that we wrote ourselves. Thanks be unto God that it's not time to grade yet. Man thinks they know their own plans. They think they know the way. They like to write their own story. But in his great mercy, he has withheld the judgment. And I don't care how many chapters you've written. I don't care how many chapters look like failure in your life. If you'll bring it back to the author and the finisher, he will cure it. Catch me up in your story. See, I started it. He started it. He's wanting to end it. You went over here, but we got to get caught up in, back in his story. And these chapters that were written on our own outside of his will, he's made provision. Years that the locusts have eaten, he brings them right back into the story and redeems them, cures them, makes them part of the beautiful story and the beautiful ending. Look at Isaiah 53. I'm going to close. This is why the cure is available. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised, and we had no regard for him. Sounds like a victorious life. Yet it was the life he submitted to that brought him to a place to be seated above every other name. It's not how it appears. It's not how it appears. It's not how it appears. Your life is not how it appears. Anything, anything, any chapter, any story is just a rough draft. 
One of the things in ballot curing is you got to put your name on it. He'll take your story and he'll put his name on it. He'll put his blood on it. And it'll be caught up in his story for you. However, it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God, and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us. Get over yourself, all of us. You're not the only person that's messed up. You're not the only person that thinks you're disqualified. Quit sitting around in your pity and yield yourself back to the author and the finisher of your faith and let him write your story. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the wrongdoing of my people to whom the blow was due, and his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was a, with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, but the Lord desired to crush him, causing him grief. If he renders himself as a guilt, guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. Does this sound like a satisfying life that we've been reading about in Isaiah 53? Yet it's the life he chose, the victorious life. I've conquered the world. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. For he will bear their wrongdoings. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the plunder with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was counted with wrongdoers. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the wrongdoers. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the only one that has the authority to do so. He has purchased you. He has paid for you. Give him what's due him. Give him your life and let him make you holy. Complete and lacking nothing. It's not a dirty word. It's what he's planned for you. It's amazing. In my process this week, I was led to Isaiah 53 to get a picture of the author and perfecter of our faith and why we can submit to him a jacked up chapter and he will put his blood on it and he will make it victorious. And then I had this thought about no weapon formed against us shall prosper. 
actually woke up early this morning in the middle of the night and had no weapon formed against you will prosper. Oh, yeah, Lord, that's a good little point. I'll add that to my sermon. Huh, yes. You know where that's found? Isaiah 54. I can do all things to Christ if you've been trained. No weapon will be formed against you if you accept Isaiah 53. And if you'll accept Isaiah 53 today, I want to read to you what the Lord wants us to end with today. A prophetic declaration over your life. Rejoice with singing, you barren one. You have never given birth. Burst into a song of joy and shout. You have never been in labor. For the deserted wife will have more children than the married one, says Yahweh. I'll take that loss and I'll make it great gain. Increase is coming. Come on, just receive it. Just put your hands up, will you? Receive the word, Lord. Increase is coming. So enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. You will increase and spread out in every direction. Your sons and daughters will conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. Do not fear. Do not fear for your shame is no more. Do not be embarrassed for you will not be disgraced. You will forget the inadequacy you felt in your youth. That season that you think you ruined, you messed up, you disqualified yourself. I just break that shame off you right now in Jesus' name. And will no longer remember the shame of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. His name is Yahweh, commander of angel armies. Your kinsman, redeemer, is the holy one of Israel. He has the title, mighty God of all the earth. For I, Yahweh, have invited you to come back. Michael, will you come? I invited you to come back. Like a depressed, deserted wife. Let me cure you. Like a depressed, deserted wife, like a young wife who has experienced rejection. I'm breaking rejection off you in Jesus' name. That season of rejection will not identify you. On my top 10 list, it will be rejection is one of the things I'm most thankful for in my life. Rejected by my earthly father. Rejected by a denomination. Rejected by spiritual fathers. It's the thing that I'm most thankful for in my life because God forged something in me that no one can take away from me. See that rejection rightly, men and women of God. See that rejection rightly. Let it cultivate in you a resolve and a strength 
that no one can take away. Like a young wife who's experienced rejection, I'm drawing you back to me, says Yahweh. For just a brief moment, I deserted you, but with tender feelings of love, I will gather you back to me. I let you have your thing, but I can't let you do it anymore. Come on. In a surge of anger for just a brief moment, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting kindness, I will show you my cherishing love, says Yahweh, your kinsman redeemer. To me, this is like the time when I vowed that the waters of Noah's flood would never again cover the earth. Now I vow to you that I will neither be angry with you nor rebuke you. You can show me your crap like I don't know it already. I will neither be angry with you nor rebuke you. Even if the mountains were to crumble and the hills disappear, my heart of steadfast, faithful love will never leave you. And my covenant of peace with you will never be shaken, says Yahweh, whose love and compassion will never give up on you. You unhappy one, Storm-tossed and troubled, I'm ready to rebuild you with precious stones and embed your foundation with sapphires. Will you let me cure you? Will you let me cure you? I will make your towers of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious, delightful stones. All your children will be taught by Yahweh and great will be their peace and prosperity. Come on, somebody needs to get that. You will be established in righteousness. Oppression will be far from them. Oppression will be far from you. You will be established in righteousness. Fear will be far from you. Yes, terror will not come near you, nor will you be afraid. If anyone dares to stir up strife against you, it's not from me. Those who challenge you will go down in defeat. See, I am the one who created the craftsman, who fans the coals into fire and forges a weapon fit for its purpose. I am the one who created the destroyer to destroy. But I promise you, no weapon meant to hurt you will succeed. And you will refute every accusing word spoken against you. This promise is the inheritance of Yahweh's servants and their vindication is from me, says Yahweh. It's amazing I had her put that on my announcement earlier than this week. I didn't know that I was going to do this long today. But it feels better that I did say that today. 
Because I'm going to tell you right now, we don't want to miss these next few moments. We're just going to pray over a few things corporately. Is that okay? Just a few things. Just a handful of things we're going to pray over corporately. Divine grace and power. Say divine grace and power. We invite divine grace and power in Jesus' name. Come and cure us today. During worship today, somebody came up, had no idea what was going on, not what was in my heart, not what the Lord spoke to me about, what's happening, what error we're running into. And they said, the capstone of this house is coming off today. The roof, the limitations of this house are coming off today, 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 today. Divine grace and power today. Some of you, first thing I want to pray for today, this is you. This is you. I probably can't even walk far enough for some of you to show, demonstrate where you are. You're not even in any proximity to relate to what he has for you right now. And you know this is you. You know this is you. You know this is you. I'm writing my own story. I've been doing my own thing. Just counting on the mercy of God that it's not judged until I decide one day to bring it back to him and let him cover it. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Just slip your hand up right where you are. Slip your hand up right where you are. Yes, yes, yes. Just slip your hand up. Man, we're not bowing heads and closing eyes and all that stuff. Just slip your hand up right where you are right now. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes. All over the place. All over the place. Come on. Just right where you're at. Just right where you're at. Lord, can you just pray this with me? Lord, catch me up in your story. I submit my ways to you. Can everybody just repeat it with me so they're not alone? I submit my ways to you. Take the mess of a story that I've written I believe you sent your son down a cross, shed his blood for me, and rose again. I accept the gift of your son today. I accept his payment today for, to rewrite my story in Jesus' name. Forgive me for doing my own thing. I turn from my ways. And I want to follow your path. In Jesus' name.
So be it, so be it. Prayer team, will you, I really, I just want a point of contact. I want somebody for them to be able to come to. Tiffany, can you just come? I don't want the whole prayer team because I think some of the prayer team needs to pray, be getting prayed teamed for. If you were one that raised your hand today, before we leave this building, you don't, do it, don't have to do it right now. Lord spoke to me today, this week and said, prepare for harvest. I want a banner up here because we're going to start seeing salvations in this place. Divine grace invading people's lives. And I want them to be able to run to this banner. And I want them to be able to make connection. And I want them to be able to see. And I want us to be able to disciple them. And I don't have a banner today. And it's okay. I like all the details to be right. But I got a Tiffany today. And all I want you to do, if you raised your hand... And you said, this was me. And I want the trajectory of my life to change. I just want you to come see Tiffany before we leave. Just do it when everybody starts moving out. Don't worry about doing it right now. We're not wanting to put you on the spot. I just want you to come. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. We're not going to put you on some type of mailing list. We want to pray for you. That God will strengthen you in your walk. Divine grace, divine grace, divine grace, divine grace, healing, healing, healing in Jesus' name. If you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your body, I just want you to stand up wherever you are, just stand up. If you need healing in your body, this is not the time to sit back. If you need healing in your body, just stand up where you are right now. Healing in your body. Everybody find somebody that's standing up. Everybody find somebody that's standing up, please. Move out of your seat right now. Find somebody that's standing up. Every person needs somebody praying over them right now. Everybody. Hold on just a minute. Don't start praying yet. Just find somebody right now. Just find somebody right now. Just find somebody. Find somebody. If nobody's praying for you, raise your hand. If you stood up and nobody's got their hand on you, raise your hand. Right here. Right here, Matt, are you standing up for prayer? No, you standing up for prayer? No, you're praying, awesome, awesome. If you're standing up for prayer and nobody has their hand on you, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, this ain't a free for all. We're, we're being intentional right now. I'm making sure we are praying and agreeing. Right here, he's, he's standing for prayer, amen. Awesome. Just pray right now. Just pray right now. Pray for healing right now. Ask them what's wrong. Don't pray ignorantly. Ask them what's wrong. Ask them what they need prayer for. This ain't time for unspoken requests. Tell them what you need prayer for. When they tell you what they need prayer for, just believe. Believe right now. Healing come in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Whatever it is right now, be healed in Jesus' name. Back, be strengthened in Jesus' name. Mm. Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Everything you paid for in your name right now. Everything you paid for in your name right now. All right, everybody, listen. If you can test what, if you can test it, I want you to test it right now. If you can test whatever you had prayed for, test it right now. If it's something you can test, can you test it right now? Test it right now. Test it right now. Anybody here see any change? Any change? Anybody see any change? You see any change in your situation in your circumstance would you just lift your hand right now if you see change 80 percent any change change right here yes come on we celebrate healing yes any change any change yes 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 come on we just like to pray for people oh lord bless them no we want the lord to heal them I'm not afraid to test it. Come on, if you you see no change, if you see no change and you've been prayed for, lift your hand again. Lift your hand again. Find them. If they've got their hand up, find them again. Find them again. Find them again. Right back here. Come on. They see no change. Healing. Healing, divine grace, divine grace and power, divine grace and power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. 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 Anybody, 80%, anybody, any, any change, any change, just lift up your hand, wave at me, wave at me, any change, any change, yes, 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 any change, just look at me, hey, it ain't for me, don't try to make me happy and give me a sympathy wave, this ain't about me, I just want to celebrate what God's doing in your life, if he is, if there is no change, we're going to keep praying, we're going to keep believing, not today, not all day, I'm not saying we're going to pray 10 times but surely we could do it at least twice. Amen? People healed all over this building today. I saw hands all over the building. Come on, divine grace. Salvations in this house today. Salvations, people yielding to the writer of their story. You've got a lost family member that's out here. I want you to raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand. You got a lost family member, maybe a lot of you. Lost family member. Lost family member. Just join together with somebody else. Find somebody and let's join together in agreement right now. God, catch them up in your story. Catch them up in your story. Give them a redemptive revelation of your kingdom. Give them a redemptive revelation of your son. Let them see him.
Draw them to a place of repentance by your goodness, God. Let them see the love that's been lavished upon them. Let them see the invitation. Let them see the seat that's been reserved for them in heavenly places. Seated with you. Draw them by your love, God. Draw them by your love. We just call them home. We call them home. Come home. Come home. Come on, just call them home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Last thing today, last thing that I felt prompted to pray for. You need a financial miracle. You need a financial breakthrough in your life. Would you just lift your hand? You need a financial miracle. Financial breakthrough. Come on, something is in the heart of God for this. I don't know when the last time we prayed for a financial breakthrough, but he told me to ask you, who needs a financial breakthrough and a miracle in your life today? Find them. Let's pray with them. Let's agree with them. Get your hand up till somebody's praying for you. Right over here, I got two ladies right over here. Need somebody praying for Miss Janelle. Right over here. Miss Janelle. She's got two. Come on, we just break the back of poverty right now in Jesus' name. We kick poverty in the teeth. We kick poverty in the teeth. We curse you. We bind you, strong man of poverty. You have no freedom here. You have no authority here. You have no control here. We release provision. We release abundance. The thief, the thief, the thief, the thief has been recognized. You've come that we have life and have it abundantly. You would that we prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. And right now we just release, we release creative ideas. We just release wisdom with finances. We release miracles that aren't hinged on our ability to have creative ideas or wisdom. We release it all in Jesus' name. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Let the windows of heaven be open in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.